you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, episode 20. So the big question is this, how do parents like us know that we aren't messing up the biggest role of our lives, especially when we happen to have a strong-willed child that's constantly pushing our buttons? We've all heard that kids don't come with a manual, so how can we know for sure that we're saying the right things or that we're getting this parenting thing right? Well, on this podcast for parents of toddlers to teens, we'll be giving you real tools you can use right away so that your kids will feel like they can talk to you about absolutely anything and everything. My name is Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast, where we believe when your thoughts grow, the conversations in your home flow. Okay. Hi, you guys. Welcome to today's podcast. Um, I have a very exciting interview. Uh, Colin Ryan is here with me. He's an author and speaker. He's on a mission to get people talking about money. He is featured everywhere from NPR to the Moth Radio Hour to Reader's Digest, and Colin has spoken to over 500,000 students and adults. Um, He wrote a book, It's a comedic guide to money. It's a funny, engaging, and practical guide to the financial skills that allow us to build the life we want. Through relevant and memorable examples, success stories, and cutting-edge behavioral research, the book gets young people and adults talking about money. And I'm particularly interested in this because, as you guys know, I'm all about having productive conversations with your kids. And I think so often we, um, when it comes to money, and what our kids are going to be doing in terms of earning money to be able to support themselves for the rest of their lives. I think that we quite often go into lecture mode. And, um, and what we know is that lecture mode doesn't teach anything. All it does mm-hmm. is cause our kids to become defensive and shut down and not be open to a conversation. And so I'm really interested in kind of picking your brain, hearing more about how you talk about money. I know that like money is a super layered relationship for pretty much everyone, including myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and I always think like the way to learn stuff, I love the comedic guide because Mm -hmm. it's more fun to learn when you're having fun, when you're laughing, when things are spoken about in a lighter way, even heavy things that, that people don't want to talk about, like money. So thanks for being here today. I really appreciate it. I think it's going to be a good conversation. Thanks, Randy. Thanks for having me. Perfect. Okay. So, um, okay. So talking to our kids about money, 
when and where do we start? Like, give us some guidelines in terms of in a perfect world, what age, how does the conversation go? How do we, how do we get started? Okay. Well, uh, in a perfect world, there are no perfect formulas. So <laughs> let's start there. Um, everything I say is I say without the knowledge of you as a parent and your child and your specific dynamic. <laughs> so, um, you know, apply that within the context of, of the relationship you have. But, uh, you know, you can talk to kids about money as young as two years old. Um, you wouldn't think so, but even by two, they're starting to recognize brands and they're already getting a very powerfully crafted spending message. You probably heard, you probably noticed your kids kind of reacting to different brands or toys with like logos on them. Or, you know, a lot of the cartoons we see are like very kind of commercially savvy, um, you know, if not funded fully by a company. So, you know, that that's already kind of begun. Um, you know, so you can talk to them about money already. You want to stay away from like the rule of 72, you know, I, they're not quite there yet. <laughs> you don't want to be like, here's compound interest. Do you want to kind of like, just be curious and, and, and ask, what do they associate with money? What, what does it mean to them? And how do they see their friends spending money as they get a little bit older? Um, by about five years old, they're really ready for an allowance. They're ready for, um, an allowance to do some key things, which is to teach them how to save for a short-term goal. Mm. So there are different philosophies on this. And again, as parents, you know, you, you take this as your own truth. Um, but I'm definitely of the school of philosophy that allowance is not so much about teaching a work ethic as it is about teaching money management. Mm. If you are a young person and you are lazy or you just don't want to do the chores that are required to make the allowance, then you're not going to get that allowance and then you're not going to get that opportunity to manage money. So I try to think of them as delinking them from each other. There's nothing wrong with rewarding your young person financially for doing mowing the lawn or, you know, cleaning up their room. But I like them to have some money, even small amounts of money, because it teaches them about the finiteness of this mm -hmm. pool of money. If I only get a dollar or $5 per week, what happens when I've spent that? That's an incredibly valuable inner, like internal conversation for a young person to have. Like, wait, I finished it already, but now there's something else that I want. Maybe I jump the gun. Maybe I should have thought about the whole, when do I get money again? It's just like a simulation for what we know, Randy, is <laughs> the world of being an adult is people don't just give you money. That, that mm -hmm. goes away. You don't get interest-free loans anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. These are the sort of lovely little opportunities as a young person that we can learn. I used to have, my dad used to give me about 20 or $30 a month that I could kind of spend on whatever. And I would typically spend it on clothes. So, cause I was like at that point, you know, very conscious of appearance and things like that. So I became a thrift store diehard at a young age. Cause I was like, explain the markup to me on buying something retail when I can get like, you know, eight shirts for the same amount of money at a thrift store. I was fortunate that that was like, part of the aesthetic <laughs> was mm -hmm. the kind of like 
absurd like mash togetherness really worked well with what was available. Pretty in pink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like like I'm sure adults were like, what are you going for? What mm -hmm. <laughs> what are you trying mm -hmm. to say? But for me, like to have that money and to be able to spend that for myself and not have to check in with somebody about that felt very grown up in a great way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what are the skills you could be focusing on? Differentiating between a need and a want is huge. Um, understanding just what is a healthy money choice, a choice that doesn't come back to bite me later, but actually serves my goals. And, and speaking of goals, like if I have a, a goal that costs more than I can afford right now, what does it look like to save a little bit? each allowance or each mm -hmm. amount of money I get until I get to that goal. Mm -hmm. Like that kind of stuff. I mean, you'd be amazed. I talk to CEOs and I talk to second graders and it's essentially that some of those same ideas, right? It's understanding the power of delayed gratification. It's understanding making choices that pay off down the road. That stuff never really gets easier. We just have different temptations at different parts of our life. So I think to, to immerse your child in that opportunity is just, is going to pay off for you in such wonderful ways. I mean, I, I think it's a chance for them to practice being an adult along with the love and safety of being, in, you know, in the world with you. I think that's a great, a great combination. You know what I think is interesting. A lot of people ask, um, there's a lot of talk about rewards and I, um, I really teach that what we want to do is we want to, um, we want to instill intrinsic motivation. We want our kids to want to work hard because they are intrinsically motivated. It's an internal thing. They're not mowing the lawn because they're going to get five bucks they're mowing the lawn because they're a member of the family and that's part of their responsibilities as part of the family team and they get to feel like a valuable family member because they mowed the lawn and after they mow the lawn they look back at that lawn and it looks beautiful and it was overgrown before and now it's all fresh and cut and they're really appreciating that and so um so often I think parents want, we want, we get so worried that um, our kids are going to be entitled and spoiled and not understand the value of a dollar. And so we'll, you know, we'll quite often link a hard work ethic to money as mm -hmm. a reward because we think it's going to instill this really hard work ethic. And, um, and I kind of teach something different. Like I also believe in allowance, but I believe that everybody is part of the family team. We all have responsibilities. We keep our spaces clean or we don't. We, you know, maybe set the table on a schedule. Some people maybe mow the lawn, whatever. But I don't really believe in because you didn't do this one thing, then you don't get that money. Right. It's, um, it's more about positive reinforcement. So your kid mows the lawn and after you see the lawn mode, you're like, oh my God, the lawn looks amazing. Uh, that's so awesome. You mm -hmm. know, you're so, you're, you're so good at mowing the lawn. And now I like, it feels good to look at the house because it looks beautiful. Again, it was so overgrown before. Right. 
done versus when your kid doesn't mow the lawn, you saying you're going to, you're going to miss out on that allowance. Like I find that when you just positively reinforce all the times that they do do that, they feel such a sense of value Mm -hmm. that they're going to be more inclined to continue being helpful as a family member versus constantly taking that away and the threat of taking it away. Because I just feel like when we focus on the threat and we instill the fear, well, then we all end up coming from this place of scarcity. And it's really easy for us to um, fall into some bad habits uh, where we, it's almost like, like the families that I've seen over the years who are constantly focused on work ethic and taking things away and, and, and that fear mentality, I've seen so many of their kids put such a high value on the superficial things and almost become obsessed with what they can buy and the, and the currency that they think it buys them when they have the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that my kids don't like the stuff. My kids love the stuff. I love the stuff. And I just think there's an interesting balance there to kind of, you know, not put too much emphasis on it and just enough. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I do. I, I, I agree with what you're saying, Randy. I, it's, it's an art, not a science. Mm-hmm. It, is, uh, it, it requires that touch of real relationship and really understanding what motivates yourself and what under, motivates your young people. Um, and I, when I say the word art, it reminds me, I'm reading this phenomenal book right now called The Art of Allowance. Mm-hmm. And I, it's by a friend of mine named John Lanza. And what I like about it is that it kind of explores that there are different ways to get at this goal. Um, and I think most importantly, that it's okay to screw up. It's okay to try one allowance model and sort of see how it's not really working or the, the incentivizing nudges that you're trying to use to, to get them to get on board. They're not working and that's okay. And that's just good data. And now you can make a better, more nuanced decision or change your strategy. And so I think that book does a good job of reminding us that in anything we do, we have an inner critic who can kind of shut down the whole constructiveness of the process Mm -hmm. by being like, what's wrong with you? Why did you think that that was going to work that way when obviously you were wrong? It's like that voice is so Mm -hmm. um, hard to hear. And I know as parents, it's so hard not to hear it because it's a tough job. And, you know, you you expect yourself to do everything right uh, for the first time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a tough, it's a tough prospect. So I have all the respect in the world for parents. And, um, you know, part of why I wrote the book was just to, sh- to give them examples of a voice, the voice that I use to talk to young people that doesn't shut them down. It, it gets them to open up. It gets them mm-hmm. to feel heard. It gets them to customize it for themselves. And uh, I just think a parent armed with more of that kind of approach is going to be so effective in building connection and having those conversations instead of it just turning into a lecture and a slam door or a you know, glazed over look or uh, just that horrible silence of <laughs> they're just not responding. Well, right. Cause you know, they, they don't want to, they don't want to disappoint us. Mm-hmm. And, um, and 
kids are going to make mistakes. We've all made mistakes when it comes to money. And, um, and so I think it's about having these conversations where it's like, we all have made mistakes when it comes to money and we're all learning and we're constantly tweaking and we tried this model. Um, but you keep asking for more for stuff and you know that the deal in our family is, you know, you get on your birthday, you get on Christmas or Hanukkah. And other than that, you can put it on your wish list. You can save up if you are not, you know, if you've spent your allowance on something else and there's something that you really want, you can come to us, you can get creative. You can say, how can I earn a few extra dollars? Is there some babysitting? Can you hook me up with someone? Like when you show us that there's stuff that you want and you want to get creative and crafty to earn more money, we're always here to support you. And, um, but I think as parents where we sometimes get stuck is we get so worried that we're doing it wrong and that we're raising possibly like we have this, I have this blog post out right now, um, that we're putting out on Facebook and it's really getting a lot of action and it's called how to raise, I think it's called how to raise entitled, uh, not entitled, grateful kids. Mm -hmm. And, um, And so this is a hot topic for so many of us because we're so worried that we might have be raising a kid who all of a sudden is going to come into adulthood. They're going to, we're going to send them to college. And then after college, they're going to say, well, they're going to have their handout and they're not going to have that kind of hustle in them to get out there and try stuff and be willing to fail and to go through periods of, um, of not knowing how to do it and figuring yeah. it out. And so I think so, so many of us, because we're so worried that that might happen, that we try to preempt that from happening and we go into that place of um, lecturing and then we're not having the money conversation or teaching the lessons that we want to teach. Agreed. I think when you talk about speaking from a place of worry, you're killing your impact right there. Yeah. And if you're, if you're making your message and your decisions based on worry of what might come to play a decade from now, like what if you're wrong? What if they turn out to be awesome? <laughs> so from right. my perspective, it's like, if you don't know the answer to that, then it like takes some pressure off yourself because that does sound paralyzing objectively. Oh my God, what if by doing this method, uh, I ruin my child for the rest of their life? Like that's so much pressure. The question I would love to ask you as a parent and to have parents consider is when you ask yourself, what if I'm doing it wrong? What if you are? Why is that so bad? Why is that? Aren't we allowed to do things wrong and then to reassess and, and, and more importantly, to be honest about it, a big part of what I do, Randy, I talk to young people who are in a different part of their timeline than I am. And so I talk about the part of my timeline that looks a lot like theirs. I talk about being in high school, being in college, just getting out of college, my first real job in the real world, because I want them to see themselves in me, right? Mm-hmm. I want them to see just a little bit down the road and be like, okay, I can understand that value set or those choices. And I can relate to the lessons that Colin learned. That's just like me just trying to help them see a little bit further down the road than where they are now. 
because that's what my whole life has been. I'm continuously learning new lessons Mm -hmm. and going, how is it that I didn't know this until now? Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things to share when I talk to uh, audiences, a lot of parents in the room is uh, this commercial. It's like, I can't remember what the commercial was for, but it's got this guy and he's like a rich, successful seeming guy. And he says, my name is Stan Lee. I have the perfect life, got an amazing car. I even belong to a country club. He's just got all these images of like success. And he says, how do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. (laughs) (laughs) And then the last shot of the commercial, he's driving on a lawnmower and he's like, somebody help me. (laughs) And I love that idea because what that says to, to me, what that says to a lot of us, the truth of that, is that in some ways we are all a success and in some ways we are all a mess. Mm-hmm. And that works. Mm-hmm. That's what being a person is. So mm-hmm. as, a, as a parent, my humble suggestion is what does it look like to tell the mess, to be proud of the mess? Because that's how you learned the lesson that led you to where you are. It's going to take so much pressure off of that young person to feel like I'm only allowed to report my successes. Yes. Right. This is the, when you, the question that you, you ask, so what if we get it wrong? Yeah. Like what if we do get it all wrong? And that's what I teach in my, when I teach my, you know, my talk is about how to have a productive conversation mm-hmm. and step one, especially when things have gone all wrong, like that's the, perfect opportunity for having a productive conversation because when you approach it from this place of just being an imperfect human and you allow your child to see you as an imperfect human, it goes, it's counterintuitive actually to us as parents because we've all been programmed to think that parents are supposed to like have everything figured out, know exactly what to say. Otherwise your kids are going to feel unsafe in the world. Like they need to be able to turn to us for guidance and we have all the answers. But the truth is, is really flipping that on its side and saying, no, 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 no. The real answer is for us to be connected. And when somebody shows up, it's like when you share your story with the college students, when somebody shows up from a place of truth and vulnerability and honesty yeah. and, and, and talks openly about the mistakes they've made or the things they've learned and the lessons in life and how I've been exactly where you've been and sends this hopeful message of you've got this. And I know how you're feeling right now. Like that's what bridges that's what brings you to this place of connection. And so when you own those mistakes and you allow your children to be a fly on the wall of those mistakes, they end up realizing, oh, I get to be imperfect too. I get to make mistakes too. And I get to recover just like mom or dad did. And they don't expect me to have all the answers or to not make mistakes. Like, they're going to allow me to be exactly who I am. And I'm supposed to be young and, and careless at times and, and have lots of hiccups, in, mm-hmm. you know, along the path, because that's how we learn. We learn through those failures. Right. Yeah. I, that's so well said, Randy. I, early in my career, I was speaking in a high school 
And before the speech began, I was just kind of, I was just kind of observing these students in their like natural habitat, right? And remembering all of the, the, um, you know, the, the, the romances and the drama and the like friction and all of the different things flying around between these, all these students, I didn't know them, but it's like in one snapshot, I was like, this is a group of people who are intelligent, who are resourceful, who are kind. Um, they're also cruel. They're also scared. They're also lost. You know, they are confused. They're filled with insight. I mean, you cannot define them by any one thing. And I think that the word entitled does so much more damage mm. than anything else because it just, it, it fails to express all of this, right? As a young person, you are fundamentally, you are a person, like you mm -hmm. are a deep tapestry of conflicting and comparative ideology. Like there's a lot of cool stuff happening and wouldn't you want to be around adults who are like, I want to hear that. I'm psyched for you. Tell me what you're into. And so when I started doing that as a speaker, as an educator, there just there were there weren't any barriers in that way. Because I was just like, you want to be direct movies? That's awesome. What's your next step? See, my goal was never to step on the dream because a dream shared is a really special thing. And I think mm -hmm. that when we choose to share our dream we really pay attention to the way it's received. And I, I'm sorry to say, I'm sure a lot of people have had this experience. There are people in my life who blatantly did not believe in my dreams. Mm -hmm. And I'm here doing this professionally, like living the path that I'd longed to go down. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry that those people are frozen as those characters in my story, right? Mm -hmm. The people who just didn't see it and flat out wanted me to know they didn't see it. So here's what I think this lays the table for. As a parent, don't you want to win your young person more than you want to be right? Don't you want to keep that relationship close and compassionate and empathetic enough that if they do make the wrong choice, A, they learn from you that it's okay, that they can forgive themselves, and that they learn from you that they can talk to you about it because mm. you're going to be a safe compassionate understanding environment for them to share and you know you go off into teenage life into adult life you start making wrong judgments and they feel very big mm -hmm. and some of them are and some of them aren't but in all those situations like you need somebody to talk to mm -hmm. and who do we go talk to we go talk to the people who we know aren't going to judge us so right. this is all a long way of saying i think as a parent we have this opportunity to be that safe place for our young person by showing them like I screwed up all of these ways to get to here and I'm alive. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. This is what it is. I tell students, this is my ninth or 10th job in my career. I was wrong eight times until <laughs> I got to where I am. You don't have to be a Jedi. You don't have to know the answers. You have to be willing to make the best information, best decision you can with the information available. And you want to have people in your corner. And, and I think who better than your parents, the people who love you to, to demonstrate to you, like, this is a safe environment. I'm, I'm here. I'm championing and cheerleading for you. Come to me, whatever well, happens. 
And that's what builds resiliency, you know? Yeah. And I just think, you know, young people, they, there's so much creativity and energy. And when this sense of scarcity and fear of you're going to graduate and you need to get a job and you're going to have to provide for yourself and da, 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 and insurance and all these things. Like when we focus so much on that, mm -hmm. I think so often we lose sight of the, of the piece, the creative piece that is the thing that is actually going to propel them to be able to really provide for themselves yeah. in a way that also feels purposeful and where work doesn't, need to feel like work work gets to feel like mm -hmm. passion and purpose and play um you know i didn't experience that work could feel like that until i was in my 40s mm -hmm. i didn't even know i was a creative person mm -hmm. until i was in my 40s no clue and so i had been received the message you know that 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 having a job and earning money meant something totally different than it does now. And now it's almost like I have to turn it off. I have to stop myself from working because I love it so much that, you know, I have to stop. And so I, that's what I'm constantly saying to my kids is right now is the world is your oyster. This is when you get to explore and expand and really have some fun. And so I don't want to do anything to stifle that. And it's, 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 it's just interesting. It's like, I see so many young people. I just, I applaud you for going and speaking to the population that you speak to, because especially in a traditional college setting, all of these kids that are really the most creative, the out of the box thinkers, the ones who traditional education has been such a struggle and they're so bright, they've done it anyway. Like, to hear a message in a comedic way about money and real life done in done in the manner that I can tell that you do it, which is motivating and inspiring and helps to kind of allow them to explore and expand and be those creative beings. Like those are the thought leaders that we need in the future. And, um, and so I just thank you for going and inspiring that population because thank you. I, they need you. They need well, thank you. you. That's very kind. And I think, you know, having done this eight years now, you know, I have these beautiful hour long opportunities with large audiences of young people or parents or educators to talk through what I've been working on and what I've been developing. Um, it's only an hour and the book is all of it. And so, you know, what I'm so proud of with this book, which only took a quick four years <laughs> to write, <laughs> it's easy. I don't know why people say writing is hard. It's super easy, <laughs> four years later. Um, you know, it, it's just this idea that like, these are lots of ways that you can talk to young people about money that I've seen work and I've seen be very beneficial and start conversations. And I think that there's work that we can do on ourselves just by asking, if I was young, what would be interesting about this to me? Because as an adult, there are aspects of our, we know the reality, right? So when I own, I own my own home, right? So I know that insurance is really important. I know that if I retile the kitchen, it's going to increase my resale value. Great. That's not something I'm going to talk to a young person about unless I get the sense that they're really into renovation and carpentry and or maybe they're looking at 
money is an asset, right? Cool. Now we'll have that conversation. But in general, I got to ask myself, is this interesting to them or just to me? Mm-hmm. And then behave accordingly. So mm-hmm. the, the, the nugget that I would leave your kind of parents with is, is the difference between just in case financial education and just in time financial education. All the research shows that, first off, just in case financial education is just like it sounds. It's everything you could ever know just in case you need it. The research shows that just in time, when they need it, when they're curious to know about that specific thing, that's the stuff that really sticks. The relevant stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's thinking about before you go into advice, maybe a, a cool trick would be just to ask them what's happening right now in your life. And, you know, using my book or using another book as an example, have some conversations about your own money experiences, find out what their questions might be, and just get a sense of what they want to know more about and address that versus trying to address everything because you want them to click in, not click off. Mm-hmm. And, and they'll do that if they feel like, ooh, this is something I want to know about. And, and you know this moment, right? When your kid is looking at you and they're like, oh, shoot you are like a knowledgeable resource for me. Like Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they're listening to you like, okay, all right, I can Mm -hmm. hear some more. And now you're having a dialogue instead of like a lecture or an argument. And I feel like that's what I was put on this planet to do. (laughs) It's just to help people stop avoiding the subject, stop fighting about the subject and start genuinely connecting and talking through this stuff. Because I think if we talk about money more as a culture, we can take away the stigma, we can boil it down into practical solutions, and we can stop trying to do it on our own, mm-hmm. but start using the people around us as supports and resources. And that's the kind of world that I think, I wish I could have grown up in, where this was an okay subject to discuss. So that's what we can do for young people. Well, that's what we're doing. That's what this podcast is about. Mm-hmm. It's about bringing back the, the village Um, because we are way more powerful when we can pool our resources together and work together. And, you know, the money conversation, I'm going to for sure put a link to your book. Mm. I'd also, if you can send me, I want to put a link in the show notes to, um, to how people can book you as a speaker, Mm -hmm. because, I feel like all these productive conversations are so important Mm -hmm. and money is not my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. My husband will tell you, (laughs) um, he will definitely tell you that it's not my wheelhouse. Funny thing. He says to me, um, I, you know, he, my business is separate from him. And he says, um, so have you been wondering how your business credit card gets paid? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no. And he's like, yeah. Um, it gets, there's a credit card, a business credit card that you have. I'm like, yeah, I know. I took it out. He's like, and every month there's a bill that comes and that bill has to get paid. And, um, and it's been getting paid for like three or four months. You haven't been curious how that's been happening. And I'm like, no, I haven't thought about it. He's like, well, I've been paying it. I'm like, well, don't pay it. I want to pay for it out of my business account. He's like, no, I've been paying for it out of your business account. And I'm like, 
and I just started laughing and I said, why are you in my business account? He's like, why aren't you paying your credit card bill? <laughs> <laughs> so he would tell you, thank God for him, that yeah. um, money is not my wheelhouse. Um, but this is such an important conversation to be having with our kids and in general. And so I thank you for letting me pick your brain and oh, help me to have these conversations. I will, I'll definitely, I know lots of my parents are going to be reading your book and we need this information. Oh, I'm so glad. Everything you, you would need to know to answer your questions is on colinryanspeaks.com. Um, I'm, I'm truly thrilled that, I mean, I kind of invented a career. I won't say I was so smart as to know it was going to work, but mm -hmm. I'm truly thrilled that I get to keep doing this, that I get to have, reached and supported so many people. And, um, you know, I'm just honored to be on your podcast, Randy, because I think that being a parent, it, it's so easy to feel like you're supposed to do everything correctly. And why didn't you know that? And in that way, it's just like being a human, mm -hmm. except with another human, right? Mm -hmm. So part of it is just learning that when you want to take the pressure off of your young person and help them feel a little bit more relaxed, like do the same for yourself. Mm -hmm. Read, read a book on finance because you want to feel better mm -hmm. about money and that you have a better sense of it because that will help you as well. And you know, if we, if we want to seem confident and knowledgeable and, and like at peace with ourselves for them, let's do that for ourselves. Right. And then it just spills over and that's, we become the kind of people we would want to be around. So totally. thank you for having me. I'm, so I'm, awesome. I feel like you've triggered so many fun thoughts and uh, it's really fun to kind of hear what you're doing with your kids. And it's awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. This was awesome. Hey you guys, thanks so much for listening. Mastermind Parenting Podcast is supported by my best selling book, The Parent Gap. Usually getting a copy of the book and the audio version for you to listen to on the go would set you back around 20 bucks, but you can get both a digital copy and the audio book for just $5.60. It's my gift to you for being one of my podcast listeners. So head over to mastermindparenting.com forward slash book to grab your copy now.